All right. Well, welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, this is going to be another edition without Ryan, um, as he has a uh, an election coming up. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, you should probably vote in it if you're. If I'm being honest, you know, go ahead and. If you want to, if you, you want to vote in Ryan's specific election, then yeah, change your permanent Oregon address quickly. real quick. <laughs> quickly move to Oregon and then uh, make that happen for him. Or if you're already living in Oregon and listening to this podcast, then uh, vote for Ryan's candidate that I can't remember the name of right now. So, but he is a good guy. He is a great guy. Um, we have he has our full endorsement. At the Oklahoma Drill. Um, all right, so um, this is going to be a review of the OU Texas Tech game. Um, and I don't know about you, Sam, but I don't think there has been a game. That's not true. Texas was more frustrating because, you know, it was Texas and we lost. But mm-hmm. this to me is by far like the second most frustrating game of the season. Yeah, um, I would agree. I, I just. I could not believe how many things were just like going wrong for us. And it just, it made me mad. And so I don't know. Do you want to start with? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly how I felt the whole game. Like my brother texted me, I was texting you throughout the game, obviously. And I'd talked to my dad after it and they all asked like, you know, were you worried? You know, do we have things to be worried about? And I was like, I honestly was not worried the whole game. I was just, frustrated like I was just mad at this game and I think when while you and I were talking you know I asked you at what point were you not worried and you said you know once we were up 17 14 and it was you could say we cut it to 17 all right we were down yeah but once once you could say with reasonable certainty that Kyler was gonna stop doing dumb things like at that point it was just it wasn't worrisome just incredibly frustrating right yeah, no, we, we put a couple scoring drives together after the unbelievable start. And at that point, I was like, okay, I think we're going to be okay. But um, we did definitely did not make it easy on ourselves. Obviously, you know, as, as I went, as the game got closer, I was honestly feeling more and more confident. Um, you know, like I, our last podcast, I don't, yeah, you weren't on it. It was me, Nathan, and Ryan. Like, right. I had kind of, going into that i was a little nervous but then talking through it and talking to them about it i had gotten more confident and then just as the game got closer i was super confident going in because i was just like no way that i could look at this game did i see how oh you could lose you know right and then on the first two offensive possessions i was then shown like oh this is how we could lose this game and like i don't know about you but i couldn't i couldn't can't think of two things that I would have expected less than those two interceptions from Kyler. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were both just absolutely made no sense. I mean, seemingly right at a defender who he should have seen, like didn't exactly come out of nowhere. Right. And yeah, at, at that point it did feel a little bit, yeah, I mean, everyone talks about Lubbock at night. Like it did feel like it was just gonna weird things keep paramounting and, it ends up we lose this dogfight at the end. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very strange. Like that first interception, like just flat out didn't see the guy. The second interception was just a terrible throw. He just 
CD was open and he just threw it over his head to a defender. So um, it, it was just not something that we've seen from Kyler this year. Like, um, I mean, I guess in Texas, he threw a pick where he didn't see a guy, but his other two picks were just like bad jump balls, basically, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so him making multiple state mistakes in a game was kind of a, a first for this season. And, um, yeah, it was just shocking. Uh, yeah. And you, you, t- you talked about being, you know, kind of that being the only way that we lose this game and we have like three not normal plays, the two, those two picks and then the missed Parnell pick that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But like, if you take those away, this was, this game was really nothing to worry about, even though it ends up, you know, five points at the end seems like a dog fight. Like it should have right. the prediction that you made, you know, being about 20, we score in the fifties and it's about a 20 point game. I mean, take away the two befuddling turnovers. I mean, you're, you're right about there. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, I don't know if you could take away a full 14 points, but you know, if you took away a touchdown right. score, that's, pretty close to what I think most of us thought this game would be. Um, you know, and I mean, the other contributing factors, obviously Alan Bowman going out at halftime uh, with another, I guess the reoccurrence of his collapse long is. Yeah, that's, that certainly helped. You feel for the guy, but uh, it yeah. helped our team. It, it definitely helped our team. I even tweeted, I was like, I would like to thank Alan Bowman's body for failing him at halftime. Um, but yeah. Did you also? I also saw a tweet. I don't know if this is true. I didn't see it happen, but that he got hit in the face with a football on the sideline. Did you see that? So apparently, I didn't listen closely. I had the volume down pretty low. I kind of that's kind of how I watch sports now. Very very um, reasonable. Yeah, I had the volume pretty low, so I couldn't hear the announcers very well. But apparently, Todd McShay kind of came out and had said something along those lines. Um, but, and then I guess they talked about it for the rest of the half, but that Mm -hmm. wasn't it at all. Apparently like Cliff Kingsbury, you know, came out and said, yeah, it was the hit he took, uh, Curtis Bolton when he down running at the goal line. Um, that was when he got hurt, which, which makes a lot more sense. Why are you running Alan Bowman at all? You know, Uh, I don't know, man. I think it was, I I think it was Ryan on the preview pod said, you know, Alan Bowman shockingly coming back after, you know, two weeks removed of having a punctured lung. And it's like, well, maybe he shouldn't have done that, huh? Right. Yeah. It makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. If he's going to come back, then like you have to handle him with kid gloves. Like you have to be super careful with what you're doing. And I know Cliff Kingsbury wanted to win the game. And he, he was, I thought Cliff Kingsbury called a great game, first of all, but, um, like, yeah, you just can't do that to your quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. if he's coming off an injury like that, he's not a running quarterback either anyways. Like, and you're moving the ball effectively, throwing the football. Like, I, I don't think there was any reason to ever run Alan Bowman. Um, but, yeah. And it, it might have cost him the game. Um, but, okay, I want to go back and kind of go through the game and kind of talk about some, some weirdness that I saw um, just on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we'll get to the defense here in a bit because there was just as much, if not more, weirdness on that side. Um, but overall, obviously, it starts with um, Kyler's interception, which that also kind of starts by 
one of uh, just one of the many strange decisions that CD Lamb made tonight on that night, and like where he caught the ball at the three yard line. Um, I really don't know what he was thinking at that time because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, me the person like I'm pretty arrogant when it comes to that with comes to this offense so i was thinking oh cool it's 97 yards for our offense to pick up here (laughs) Um, but obviously it didn't work out that way and Mm -hmm. like that was kind of the you know one of the that made a huge difference because when we threw a pick it was like down in that territory and they were able to start their drive at like the four yard line so um strange decision there we talked about the kyler interceptions like i just you know, I tweeted after the game, like the the video of Sam Ellinger looking super confused and looking around. Um, that was pretty much my reaction after Ky- each of Kyler's picks because I was just like, I didn't even know that he was capable of doing that. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of super confused and I was like, oh God. Um, but on that second drive, there's we're gonna we're gonna kind of sprinkle in some officiating. Uh, I don't. I guess complaints is is the right word for it because there are certainly the plenty of them. I thought they were terrible. Um, the first big beef I have with them is that I have no idea how that wasn't a targeting penalty on Takatera. Oh, yeah. Like it makes no sense. It looked like textbook targeting to me. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how that was overturned you know i think if you give nine or if you give 10 uh officiating crews that call nine of them are gonna throw the guy out of the game you know and yeah and we, we just happened to get the that, one yeah we had the crew that wouldn't do it so um very strange and then a couple plays later is when kyler threw that uh second terrible interception um i will say overall um i thought the offense handled the atmosphere pretty poorly and (laughs) you know other than kyler's interceptions and you know cd's mistakes but i mean cody ford probably should have been thrown out of the game um like Mm -hmm. he punched the dude you know like he didn't fully land his punch but he threw a punch and he definitely definitely was going for it and luckily ended up as a incidental shove but yeah so um pretty lucky i did see a deal Somebody on a message board was saying that he slowed it down and watched the the replay of it, and he said that the guy spit on Cody Ford. Um, oh, which, Spitgate Part Two. Yeah, I know. Which like happened at West Virginia last year with Drew Samia, and like I can't imagine what would like don't spit on people. If that's really <laughs> what happened. Like I have no like. I mean, obviously Cody Ford has to know that you can't punch somebody because you can't get thrown out of the game. You know, but the fact that like if tech came into that game thinking, oh, we can get him out if we spit on him is like (laughs) kind of infuriating, you know, it, I don't know. Cause I mean, to me, if you watch football so far this year with, you know, with OU, like Cody Ford's kind of a hothead. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's got some Orlando Brown in him and, you know, maybe they came in thinking we can get, we can get at least a 15 yard penalty out of this guy. Um, and they were successful there, but they almost got him thrown out of the game too. So um, he obviously he has to be smart. Like he has to know from now on. Like think about West Virginia is going to have him targeted, and they're yeah. going to like be trying to get him thrown out of the game. Mm-hmm. They got Drew Samia thrown out of the game every year. They do crazy stuff to try to piss our guys off, and it's going to happen again. 
Cody Ford's going to have to see it coming this time. Uh, yeah, you you would hope that he'll. I mean, obviously he's. I'm sure he got chewed out on the sideline. He's going to get chewed out for that all week. You know, surely he will be forewarned. Like, hey, West Virginia's going to do it to you, and then some. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see Oklahoma State try to take advantage of the same thing. Um, is there is there anything is there anything to the idea that like not having Baker let us get affected by this environment more? Like I don't know. I feel like maybe having Baker going into Tech, like just his, you know, when he gets this chip on his shoulder, like when he knows everyone's gunning for him, it's not a not a hot head reaction like Cody Ford. It's like, hey, I'm about to win the Heisman, and I'm about to like make you regret talking trash to me. I'm gonna make you regret. You know, going with somebody else over me. I think I don't know. Maybe not having that leadership specifically in this tech environment. I don't know. Could have, could have played a small part. Yeah. Um. I maybe maybe a little bit. I know. Like I remember. Do you remember in 2016? There were a couple times when Baker. I think Baker might have even gotten a penalty. Um, yeah. Like, like I think out of bounds, he like stood over a guy and was just like barking at him. Like, you know, I think. I don't know. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Um, maybe his impact on other guys. Because yeah. I don't know if it's like a situation where they are like, uh, maybe in 2016 they were thinking, oh, well, we have to keep our cool to make sure that Baker keeps his or something. Because mm-hmm. he had every reason to just go nuts in that game. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that might have played a role too. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think our offensive line is just, an insanely aggressive group of human beings. You know what That's I mean? Fair. Yeah. Like every single one, like the only one of the, like there's every one, like three of the five guys, let's say have had pretty significant issues with uh, personal fouls. Um, Bobby Evans has gotten a few this year. Cody Ford, just these past couple weeks has gone kind of crazy. Um, and Drew Samia has gotten thrown out of a game before. Like, mm-hmm. I think that might just be the attitude of that group. You know, mm-hmm. and like that might be part of why they're so freaking good. Right. Um, like, I mean, because they are they do physically manhandle a lot of teams. Um, and I think that's kind of like Bill Biedenboe also, you know, is kind of an aggressive guy. <laughs> so maybe they take on that personality and like overall, like it's a net win because, yeah, they manhandled tech this this week. And if getting a couple personal fouls is what it takes for them to have that edge, then Maybe it's worth it. Uh, right. I mean, you, you certainly, as long as you don't end up with a penalty that costs you game, you certainly prefer it to get a little chippy in the trenches where, you know, maybe that affects the other team psychologically more than, let's say, you know, you got wide receivers that are, you know, all hotheads and they're all, you know, clapping in cornerbacks' faces mm-hmm. and always talking after the play. Like, this being having your linemen doing that, like, it's a, at least, like you said, a mentality where you can – take that out on using it for good football. Right. Yeah. I think our offensive line does that probably better than anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's, so it's going to be something to look for in the, the West Virginia game, especially um, shouldn't be too much of an issue at home, but yeah, West Virginia, it's going to be crazy. Um, but after those first two possessions, um, it really became a situation where our offense was clicking and, Trey Sermon, like just honestly, I think Trey Sermon's probably the player of the game. Um, had a career high twenty six carries. Did you know that before 
this game, I think I heard somebody say that his career high for carries was 12. Really? Hmm. I did not yeah. know that. And that's completely wrong because I'm looking at. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had uh, 18 in the Army game, which I think was a career gotcha. high at that point. But gotcha. I don't know what I heard. I don't know where. Maybe that was before this season or something. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. That, that's a bad stat. Bad. <laughs> uh, but 26 carries is by far the most he's ever had. Um, and he was just a total workhorse in this game. And, like, honestly, like I, I said before that I thought this would be a game for Kennedy Brooks to really shine, um, just though his running style against this defense. And Ryan even came at us with some really good stats to back that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really a perfect matchup for Trey Sermon because his patience running behind, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and picking the hole um, was really important, especially like there was a late fourth down that, they basically blew the play up, but he was patient enough to wait on his line to pick up the guy who had gotten three, and mm-hmm. he wound up getting the first down, which was really crucial. Um, but yeah, he just started to kind of impose as well. Our offensive line really had no issues uh, for the majority of the night, and um, Trey Sermon had an awesome game. I don't know if he seemed like, I mean, maybe last year against Baylor, but it seemed like he was really effective getting to the perimeter on this game. And once mm-hmm. he got there, he was just like stiff arming guys into oblivion. Right. Like, and he sure. never, he never really does that. So it was like nice to see that this game. Yeah. Like there's been a few examples, like obviously last year's Baylor game. I, he definitely stiff armed an Ohio state guy to death last year, but right. um, yeah, that's not what I know him for. I um, mean, he just, he was crazy this game i don't know man i i still think that they need to get kennedy brooks the ball some more um but trey sermon was just running so well that it was just it was hard to justify giving the ball to anybody else in this right game. i mean 26 for 206 cannot complain about that no no um, uh, real quick i think what you might have been seeing trey's second highest yardage total was 12 carries against baylor last year Okay, there we go. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah, he had 12 for like 190. Yeah, 148. 148. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, so moving on, offensively, I think the third quarter was – they're not going to want to – they're going to want to forget that quarter kind of happened because it was it was not the offense that I am used to seeing or that we are used yeah. to seeing. Um, you know, obviously by halftime we had put up 28 points and everything seemed fine. And I was like, Oh, we're going to get the ball to start the second half. And it just didn't work. Um, our offense really, really struggled, um, in that third quarter. And I think we punted three out of our first five possessions in the second half. And that's just not something I'm used to seeing. When was the last time Austin Kendall punted three times in a quarter? You think? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, we had four, four drives in the least, third. He punted at least twice against Texas. And yeah. I think that's second quarter. Yeah, that's just... you. I mean, you, you're certainly not complaining about not having to use your punter, but... No, no, not at all. Um, I guess this, this is the best, as good a time as any, to talk about the, the C.D. Lamb thing. Um <laughs> because that was that's a situation like 
we had no business punting. We had the ball at the seven yard line and we're about to score and go up 11 and in the game there. Um, and he just kind of lost his head. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think that I think 30 yards worth of penalties was harsh um, to say mm-hmm. the least, but you know, like the dude, he did kind of push the guy and then like halfway kicked him a little bit. And then he kept talking to him. I don't know why the tech guy didn't get a penalty. Because if you're just talking about them talking to each other, like they were doing this, the exact same thing. Right. So that was odd among other odd. That's always the most frustrating thing about refs trying to, you know, send a message about that stuff. Like just call, give a you know personal foul, both sides off cancel or yeah. Cancel each other out and yeah. like move and it on. It still would have been, it still would have been a 15 yard penalty for us because he had two, you know? And uh-huh. right. So I, I thought it was strange. I thought that among other calls in the night was, <laughs> was strange. Um, but obviously the dude, you've, you can't do that. You can't get yeah. 30 yards worth of penalties. Like you have to, you have to get up. Like, and it wasn't even like the guy, like CD initiated that, you know, he made right. the catch and then he like pushes the dude while he's on the ground. So the guy gets up and they start jawing at each other. Like you've got to get yourself out of that situation. Um, even after you initiate it, like, first of all, don't initiate it. And then secondly, don't make it worse by talking to him. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that was just one of those ridiculous things that I don't know if, I mean, he said, he said after the game, he was like, that will never happen again. And I tend to believe him. I also, right. I talked about his demeanor on the last podcast and I like, he got very, very, um, I don't know if nonchalant looking is the Mm -hmm. right word. Like there were several, I remember there was one play later where he caught a pass and then he just like tossed the ball to the ref and he just looked like, uh, he wasn't that interested. Yeah. I remember like the ref like said something to him, like probably like, I don't know, watch out. You don't want to get another penalty or something. And he just kind of threw his hands up like, what did I say? You know, and that mm-hmm. that to me is the sign of a guy that is like supremely frustrated with how things have been called throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't have a problem with that um, specifically, but it was just like he was not in the mindset to have a really successful game, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, it goes back to the environment. Like, that's his first time playing in Lubbock. You go in there at night, it's you're obviously, like you said, frustrated with the rest. Like, I'm sure there is a lot that went into that to get somebody that is so nonchalant about everything, like the least bit fired up about something. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's totally right. Um Okay, and like after that point, you know, we, we kind of got to like, I thought we we started relying more on the run game. I think that's one of the things about the third quarter um, is I I was not a huge fan of how Lincoln was calling plays. Yeah. What did you think about the play calling in the second half, specifically the third quarter? Yeah, I would say the fourth quarter, I mean, the ways we were getting Trey in space, like you wish we would have been doing that in the third quarter. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean – Two three and outs in the third quarter, not great. The CD penalty throwing us back, not great. Um, overall, play calling. I don't know what. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Wasn't a big fan. Um, you know, would have liked right. 
to see some other stuff, maybe some more, I don't know, runs by Kennedy Brooks to get something going. I don't know. What do you think about the play calling? I thought in that third quarter, you know, it just seemed like, I mean, in the way Tech was defending, like there were a lot of guys, they didn't have any like super deep safeties. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought they were kind of geared up to stop the run um, pretty consistently. And I think Lincoln was like, oh, there's going to be shots available over the top. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty evident that, um, you know, obviously it wasn't, Kyler wasn't super on his game on Saturday. Like he was, he was okay. Um, he wasn't amazing. Um, wasn't super accurate down the field. And I think it's pretty obvious that Marquise Brown isn't himself right now. Yeah. Um, he's still, I mean, he's still banged up, you know, he's he still has that angle ankle injury still kind of lingering. And there was at one point I thought he might've pulled a hamstring in this game. So, yeah. um, that's a concern. And I, I think Lincoln just, I mean, I think you've got to see that and think, yeah, they're gearing up to stop the run, but it hasn't mattered all night. It's probably not going to matter now. And it was a situation where I just thought, run the ball on first and second down and just see where you are. You know, mm-hmm. like if you get in third down, we were reasonably good. I think we were five of 10 on third downs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's, I mean, we're 50% on third down. Like you've got a pretty good shot to get it especially if you're in like third and short, which we in all likelihood would be after two runs, you know? So I thought it was a situation where it's just like, don't try to outsmart the, uh, the defensive coordinator and just run the ball. Like, just see, like, just see where you are after two downs. Um, and you know, take it from there. Cause like, he's a great, like he's a great third down play caller, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, and I thought like, I don't know if that's something it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not committed to this theory at all, but it's just something that I was thinking about. Um, do you think that Lincoln is, I'm not going to, I don't think he's scared of third downs, but mm-hmm. I think he likes to avoid them. Yeah. Um, and so whenever he runs on first down and it gets three yards, he is not thinking that, well, if I get in like four yards on this next run, we're sitting in like a third and three and that's a good situation. I think he's thinking, I don't want to get to that third and three. So I'm going to throw the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I mean, it is a fair thought for him to think that it's like looking at this stuff right now, we're sixth in the country in third and medium success rate and 82nd in the country and third and short success rate. So I think like whenever people can sell out for one thing on us, they're a lot more successful, obviously. And that's, you know, part of Lincoln's mm-hmm. like, why his offense is so great. There's so many wrinkles. Like if it's second and eight, they can bomb it to Marquise for 50 yards. They can, you know, hand it off. They can run read option. Like they, they can do so many things when you don't know what's coming. Uh, but like getting in that third and short, I mean, obviously he can still throw the ball if he wants to, but like, I don't know, maybe there's something to that. He knows we're not great once we get in short. So he wants to, of maybe he'd rather a third and seven than a third and three if it means the chance at picking up the first down on second. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Uh, but to me, it's like you look at that tech defense, do you really think you're not going to get 10 yards if you run it three times in a row? Right. You know, like even if like you got them in like a third and four, like I kind of like our chances to get that first down. Oh, for know? sure. I mean, just like looking at these numbers, you see – yeah, we're less successful on third and short. But I mean, you gotta, you can't just like th- 
think of that as all-encompassing. Like, still, situationally, you're playing Texas Tech. You have the most dynamic player in college football touching the ball every play. Like, yeah. you, if you don't think you can get you one play four yards, like, you, you are very mistaken about your own team. Right. Well, and I think another thing, like, 82nd in that situation probably do a lot to the fact that it's a small sample size. Right. I haven't done those. Yeah, and you talked about that last week with, you know, the third and long or our third down percentage as a whole. Like, we just don't get into third downs. Right. Yeah, and, like, this is a game. Our offense played, like, crap, and we mm-hmm. had 10 third downs. Like, right. that's still way, way below the average for a team for third mm-hmm. downs in a game. Like, our offense was terrible, and we were 5 of 10 on third down. Like, yeah. it's. This I don't was, think it's – go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, shockingly, this was our worst offensive performance on the season with 87th percentile. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was wild, man. I just – so many little things. I'm really, really, really glad that we played Tech before West Virginia. Oh, um, yeah. I think, I think we needed this to be a night game in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll just know more of what to expect because it's going to be very similar – up in Morgantown, except for it's just going to be a better football team we're playing. Right. You know no, I, mean? I think that's a really good overlooked point. Like this was kind of your, you don't do it the week before you don't get caught looking ahead to West Virginia or something like you get this warm up a few weeks earlier, kind of yeah. a little bit, a little bit of a wake up call, what to be ready for. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and they've got a couple home games. They can come back and really clean things up. Cause you know, we've been, really good at home with the exception of the army game this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can kind of come back and clean those things up. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not super worried about it um, moving forward. I think this was honestly, I just think it was one of those nights, man, that it was just, it, I think this is probably the worst offensive performance we're going to see this year. Yeah. Being honest. Yeah. One of the, one of those where you're, you're just happy to get out with a win. Yeah. That, that old cliche, but I mean, yeah, you take it and you move on. Certainly, yeah, looking, gonna, looking around the country, it could have been a lot worse for us. Oh, for sure. I want to shout out to TD Lee Morris, um, catching his seventh and eighth touchdown of the season. Um, he is now 10 touchdowns on 18 career catches. That's um, just unreal, man. It is. And, like, the thing what, that's crazy <laughs> is, like, it's to the point when he catches the ball, I just – like even when I he's not in a situation where it's realistic to think he could score, I just like halfway expect him to break like five tackles and score. Yeah, you know, like, and I mean, over fifty percent of the time he'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, in like both touchdowns he had, well, especially that second touchdown, he did have uh-huh. to break a tackle to score. And I was like, I knew for a fact I was like he's gonna break this tackle. Like I had yeah. no worries about that. Um, so I mean, by far his biggest game of the season: four catches for one hundred one yards. For mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Um, also, want to give a quick shout out to Grant Calcaterra because um, great at the opening. Grant Calcaterra, uh, he took some shots, dude. He, oh man, like it was my god, like he got. First of all, he got targeted. I don't know. I didn't have like a concussion, and then Kyler left him out to dry later in the game, and he just got just nailed like in the ribs area. I. Like, I don't know how he's still, like, alive, honestly. Because yeah. there was later, one of the uh, Trey Sermon touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 
um, like a dude like rolled under him and knocked him down like after rolling onto his legs, you know, and like it was just another. I was like, dude, this guy couldn't catch a break on this night, man. Like mm-hmm. he just kept getting hit even whenever he wasn't and he shouldn't have been getting it, you know. So um, shout out to Grant Capitera for being tough and being able to take the punishment. Um, and then really last shout out offensively. I think the offensive play call of the game was first quarter, third and two. Kyler had just thrown two interceptions. We're down 14 to nothing. We've got ourselves a third and short situation. We come out in like an offset eye formation with Kyler under center, um, which in itself was strange. (laughs) Um, But like if there was ever a, a formation that looked like we were about to try to run the ball down their throat, it was this one. And um, we send Marquise Brown in motion and send him out for passing. And so you're thinking if he's going to throw it, he's probably going to throw to Marquise Brown because why wouldn't you? But no, nah, the play was designed to go to Jeremiah Hall on a wheel route. Um, it could not have worked any better. Like it just, he was wide open, man. I think I texted you at that point. I was like, because yeah, we're still down a touchdown. And I was like, we're if we're completing passes to Jeremiah Hall, like we're fine. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or we're down two touchdowns at that point. Yeah, we were. We yeah. were. Uh, About to yeah. be down a touchdown. And I was like, as the ball was in the air, I was like, oh shit, this game might like be over if he drops this. You know, I was like, he's got to catch this ball, and I was not confident that he was going to do that. Like the guy had one career catch in his like before that and that was last week from austin kendall you know so mm-hmm. i was i was more than a little worried that he was gonna drop that ball but hey he he caught it ran with it we uh it was an amazing play call from lincoln like that that's like not just like great play design but it's just like the idea of that's where you're just you know you're on another level just like psychologically because you know like if you think about what they're going to be expecting, that would be the last thing that they would expect. And here you are throwing it out on the biggest play of the game so far. You right. Know? And when, when you can like trust your freshman fullback like that, like what, how do you, if you can, that's the second streak fullback. Like what, what is there to do to stop this offense when you're completing just a perfect play call to a second string fullback? Yeah. No, for sure. And Jeremiah Howell played a ton. Like, I, yeah. he hasn't played that much all season. And he was out there a lot. And, you know, he's definitely a big part of, of the running game when we really want to get physical. Um, but, yeah, he was out there contributing uh, through the air, which was kind of amazing to see, actually. Um, all right. So shout, out, shout out to uh, Carson Meyer again. Another touchdown. Another touchdown. I... I was so mad at him when he dropped that pass there. Oh man! Time. Yeah, because that no, could have no. tied. We could have tied the game. We were about to get big side on the field for a field goal, mm-hmm. and he just he just dropped yeah, that it. Was like, that was as bad as it gets. But um, you know, hey, he had a touchdown and another pretty impressive catch. So we we love a good redemption story. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, all right. So I think that's really all we have offensively. I think the the only other. I mean, we got to go to the defense. Um, what What is your just preliminary thoughts about the defense overall? What was your gut reaction watching the game? 
I mean, honestly, I thought the defense was all right. Um, and you'll be able to talk more about the things you want to talk about. Really, the only thing which you'll also talk about, the only thing I want to talk about is Parnell Motley being the unluckiest player in college football. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that here in a bit. I have. Yeah. So that's that's what I want to talk about. I'll let you talk about the the schemes we run and all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, so the thing that I noticed pretty much right off the bat was personnel groupings were very different than what we had been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of it kind of looked like. We have been watching Iowa State play, and we were just like, we want to play that defense. You know what I mean? It was very like three man, three man fronts, and we're dropping eight pretty consistently throughout. Um, and it just, I thought it was a bad plan. Um, I think it was very obvious immediately that OU's coaches were extremely concerned about Vasher and Wesley catching bombs on us even though that hasn't been their strength so far this year. Um, Nor has it been our defense's weakness this year. Right. So that was an interesting tactic, we'll say. It was a very, it was a very Mike Stoopsian um, yeah. strategy, in my opinion. Um, I, I can kind of see the logic in it, because we did talk about where, you know, if, you make Alan Bowman play a ton and take away the run game. He's going to have to throw it a bunch. He'll probably make some mistakes. And you could tell that was absolutely what they thought they were going to do. That's what their mm-hmm. plan was. Um, we are not very good at executing that style, um, is what I will say. Um, I think we need to adjust accordingly. Um, and so that that was not great. Um, more, more on the personnel, though. Um, we did not have Buki. He was out with, you know, he's still, I guess he's, that injury was more serious than we thought um, after he took out that six foot seven man last week. Um, Mm -hmm. Then also Khalil Houghton was out, which just kind of unexpected. So we wound up with um, Jordan Parker starting and we saw a lot of Justin Broyles as well. Um, Those are kind of the two replacements for those guys. We also saw a lot more Delarian Turner yell. Um, and what I thought was interesting about the way we lined up defensively, I haven't seen this from us all year. We wind we lined up with three high safeties fairly regularly, mm-hmm. um, which I just thought was weird. Like we just we haven't. I don't think we've done that all year. You know, like we've. It's hard to say. Like we didn't really play a nickelback pretty much for the entire game because. It was just we had three high safeties out there, and the nickel was just way, way, way back there. So, um, a strange strategy. Um, they also just a lot of three man fronts with three like traditional pure linebackers. Um, also, not something I've seen us do much. Like, there were situations where it was, let's say, Kenneth Mann, Amani Bledsoe, and Neville Gallimore up front with. Ryan Jones, Curtis Bolton, and Kenneth Murray, which again, like I haven't, I don't think we've played that uh, combination of players all season. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't, I don't think our injury situation um, caused us to go to that at all. So, um, yeah, I, I, do you think maybe it's a thing where they were pretty confident in this game 
they maybe want to try some stuff out for West Virginia or potential playoff or Sugar Bowl. Like they they don't want to try stuff out in a rivalry game next week. They're not going to get much of a look against Kansas in two weeks. So maybe I mean, are they just are they just seeing throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, or do you think they? I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't think it would be a situation where they're trying stuff out for other teams. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily, they, yeah, not necessarily other teams. Maybe something that'll work better for us going down the road. Yeah, like maybe that's the case. They're just like, you know, what we've done hasn't worked, so we're going to try something else. You know, right? To me, is just the wrong way to go about it. Like the way I I would think you would want to do is just try to do one thing really, really well. You know, even if it doesn't fit every team perfectly, yeah. At least you could maybe execute one scheme really really well and that's just not what i saw specifically on the oh go ahead well i mean the first half is yeah. like where it was the most blatant like that was there was just almost i mean i would say it's probably 70 percent of the time we were dropping eight you know and i just iowa state does it really really well i i enjoy i love watching iowa state play i love yeah. their defense we can't do what they do we're just yeah. not drilled enough in that scheme to be able to do, to pull off the stuff that they do. And like, honestly, we have better athletes than they do and more talented players, but they have better players than we do right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, those guys I mean, execute their scheme better than we've ever executed any scheme defensively. Uh huh. Like all of the, you know, players you think of being successful on our defense in years past, it's all like outside linebackers bringing, bring in an edge rush like we like that's what we've for our all of our defensive deficiencies like that is what we have consistently done fairly well yeah yeah i think that speaks to i i don't think i mean mark jackson is fine Mm -hmm. um he is not even close to the level of a of an oboe or an eric striker um which hurts our defense a lot but um i don't know maybe they're just yeah, I think they're just looking for answers, and they thought they'd try this out and see if it worked, um, and it it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think in the second half, they I thought we we were in a four man front a lot more in the second half, and maybe I'm just misremembering, and it just seemed that way. But I think for the most part, on first and second downs in the second half, we were in four man fronts quite a bit, and Jalen Redmond actually played in the second half and mm-hmm. played well. I thought mm-hmm. he did a lot of good things. Like, I mean, literally, I think the first play of the second half, they called a trick play and Jalen Redman didn't bite at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just immediately made it, made it to where that play just would not work against what we were doing. And um, that's really impressive again, from a true freshman playing some of his first football yeah. to be that disciplined already. Yeah, that's good stuff. Specifically about the three high safeties. Do you think that's possibly something there? trying out maybe planning on moving forward not having buki for a couple more games seeing if yeah, that would be be a solution to that i don't know yeah i don't think it's necessarily has to do with buki because i think they could yeah. easily put buki out there in that situation mm-hmm. um and play him as a high safety as well but i i don't know i think that they were just very very spooked by the idea of those two receivers on the outside and yeah they wanted all the help they could get. Um, let's talk about our corners now. 
um, we can get to our Parnell Motley conversation. <laughs> um, first of all, I think the reason that they did that, I don't think they trust the corners at all. Which is understandable. Them. Understandable. <laughs> um, I, OU has to recruit better players at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, like they absolutely have to. Um, there's just, this is Oklahoma. We can't have a position of guys that just can't get the job done in that way where you have to send extra help their, their mm-hmm. way. Like that's just not okay to me. Um, and what, and I think the most prime example of that is a guy like Trey Norwood, man. I like Trey Norwood and like, I think he does okay. Like he does an okay job for what he is, but he's not good enough to start at OU. You yeah. Know? Like, that guy is skinny, he's small, and he doesn't make up with it with athleticism. Like he's right. just like he's an average athlete. He's got below average size. Like I don't really know. Like he's a decent football player. Like he's usually in the right positions, but that doesn't matter when you're in the right position if you can't make the play. And I think his body um, prevents him from being able to make those kind of plays. And I think that his lack of ability to tackle especially bigger receivers is one of the reasons why we probably saw the three high safeties thing you know Mm -hmm. they're just worried about well they might break that first tackle so we've got to have another guy behind them like and that's just not that's not good enough like we have to recruit you know i've heard some people talk about well you can't recruit the big corners because they they aren't agile enough to to cover in the big 12 and i just think that that's wrong yeah like oh you like there are not a just there's not tons of guys like those guys don't grow on trees of guys that are big enough to make you know physical plays in the run game and tackle big receivers um, and cover smaller agile guys but there are enough that OU's got to be bringing in at least one of those guys every year like they just have to yeah no I agree I mean we gotta we gotta get the talent and regardless of you know whether you think they're too big to cover Big Twelve receivers. I, you got to coach them up to play that way, regardless. You know, right. even if they do well, have the speed like we have now, you got to coach them up to where they can tackle the guys with speed, where they can do yeah. other things. Like, not everyone is going to be a top twenty recruit. Like, you still you got to get the guys that have the potential to do this stuff and then mold them into it. Right. Well, and I'm not going to say like. I think Trey Brown is, is kind of a, like he's an undersized guy, like from a height perspective, but mm-hmm. he's not undersized from a strength perspective. Like that dude is strong and he's explosive and he's a quick twitch athlete. Like he's pretty much everything you look for except for height. And that's, I think that's fine too. Like you need either a guy that has the length and is a really smooth athlete that can turn his hips and run, or you need a guy who's just an athletic freak who's explosive as all hell that can stay with guys like Trey Brown does. I think yeah. we've got, we have to move away from the Trey Norwoods, the, the Parnell Motley's even um, we've got to move away from those guys. If we want to compete at the highest level. Um, now we can talk about Parnell Motley. I mean, um, he, he, he certainly has his flaws. Do not get me wrong. I mean, there've been plenty of times where, you are incredibly frustrated with you know what he does, but then he redeems himself, quote unquote, with a 
you know, meaningless garbage time pick to somewhat seal the game, I guess. But I mean, there are times where this guy, like he just has perfect coverage and it's like everybody, including everybody, including wide receivers and referees get a confidence boost on this guy. Like every receiver turns into Randy Moss when this guy has perfect coverage on them besides not having his head turned. Like every ref assumes if he made a pl- if this guy made a play, like there's no way that legitimately happened. So like he gets the most unlucky pass interference calls specifically in this game. Like I f- I feel for the guy. Yeah, I I I've kind of thought this like all year that you know the guy gets beat fairly often. Um, I mean, obviously, the Iowa State game is kind of etched into everybody's memory. Um, and he had his fair share of troubles last year as well. Um, but I think this was his most unlucky game so far. Um, I just want to recap the things that happened to him in this game. Um, so from from a big play perspective, I think it was the first half when he had that interception in the end zone, right? Like that was uh, I, thought th- I thought that was at the towards the end. Maybe it was. At the beginning, I thought it was towards the end. I'll try and find out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that happened in the end zone in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. And that was one of the more bogus, one of the more bogus pass interference calls you're going to see. Like yeah. it was okay. That, that was you're right. That was right before halftime. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It put him up 24-14, I believe, um, or maybe uh, 31, 31, 28. 28. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um. That was terrible. That was a terrible call. And if you take that call away, Parno Motley has an inter- interception in the end zone, and we go into halftime up. And we have and another we, red zone stop to hang our hat on. Another red zone stop. And like, think about how differently you would have thought about this game for or for Parno Motley if he makes that play. Right. If it's not taken away from him. Um, and then later in the game, he gets beat on that deep Antoine Wesley pass, which he actually did turn his head and he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Antoine Wesley made a, an amazing play. Perfect play. It was a perfect throw, perfect play on the ball. It was also an incomplete pass. Like the ball moved when he hit the ground. Like, um, I don't necessarily think they made the wrong call to keep the play that they called on the field. Like it wasn't super obvious that it happened, but I feel pretty confident that like that ball moved. You know, mm-hmm. like that that ball moved and i think that's another bad break for for parnell motley um in that way shout out to us for holding him to a field goal on that drive though that was good that was a good play by the defense mm-hmm. um and then late in the game a couple more plays um he makes another amazing play on the ball and he has an interception in his hands and tj vasher just decides that he's going to pull him down by his face mask and not many people are capable of catching a ball while being pulled <laughs> to the ground by their face mask. Um, and somehow the official decided to not call either one of those penalties. They could have called offensive pass interference or a face mask and, or both. We know how much they like to call 30 yards worth of penalties on one guy. <laughs> um, they could have called either one of those and they just swallowed their whistle. Nothing. Um, and they go, they go down and drive and score. And like, I just, I have no comprehension of how they were able to not make a call on that possession, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so another unlucky play. And then the last one, like he got called for pass interference in the end zone on a fourth down. And like, he just tripped. Like, I mean, that happens. Like, it's not good. Like it, I'm not going to say that that was, I'm not making excuses for him there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a legitimate pass interference for him. So, um, yeah, this was by far, I think his most unlucky game as a, uh, as an OU player. And I've just heard so much. I've heard a lot, like listening to other OU podcasts and I've heard people talk about, they're like, you know, like, Arno Motley just, he seemed to have lost it, you know? Like, I just, <laughs> ever since that Iowa State game, he just seems like he's lost it. He just gets beat every game, and it's just, he just can't make any plays. And I'm like, no, like, he is the exact same player he was. Like, nothing's changed. It's just, you know, he's having to rotate in more, so he's not playing as much. And weird shit's happening to him. Like, uh-huh. I'm tell, like, weird stuff is happening to Parnell Motley. And I... I think he's playing okay. Like, and pretty consistently on pro football focus, he's our highest rated corner um, by them. And I think he was one of our highest rated defenders in this game. Like I thought he played well on Saturday is what I'm trying to say. And people are talking about how, I, I just don't know how you could put him on the field after all the things that have happened, you know? And I'm like, it's just wrong, you know? Yep. I, I agree. But with that said, <laughs> I think that uh, Pardo Motley is, is an example of a guy that physically isn't able to make all the plays that he needs to make. I think he's a guy, he has decent ball skills. Um, there's just times when he's not able to make the play because, like you said, like he gets mossed by guys. And I think there's just like a physical aspect that he's not able to um, to handle because of, of some of his limitations. And we, we've just got to have fewer guys like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we need more Trey Browns. Um, even Buki is a guy like Buki's really small, but Buki's not small, if you know what I mean. Like he's he's kind of a thick guy for his size, you know. Like he's not a guy that's gonna be just completely out muscled, I don't feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm overall I mean it's it, I think it's really a, a big big recruiting problem. Um there's a and I've you got to blame Kerry Cooks for that too, um, yeah. Because I think that I don't I just don't like the kind of guys he identifies as as corners in his system. You know, like I I want I don't want PJ and Bonasaur types that can't move. <laughs> yeah, but like I want guys that can do both, and um, we've got to identify more of those guys, and we've got to win those recruiting battles, or else. We just we have to find a new coach there. You know what I mean? Because like I just I can't handle like we can't have more trade Norwoods. We can't have more Parnell Motley types. Like we just we have to we have to do better than that at that position. Yeah, um, I mean, what what who was the last good corner we'd had? You'd say Aaron Colvin. I mean, Aaron Colvin was like legitimately a stud. Like he was yeah. awesome. Um, and I think Zach Sanchez was okay. Like I mean, yeah. I, he. Like he gave up a lot of big plays, but that dude made plays and like he didn't have a lot of the issues that our corners are having now, you know, mm-hmm. or at least he was just such a better playmaker that it made up for some of the issues he did have because right. yeah, he was physically limited, but that dude would have, that dude was something special when the ball was in the air. Like he just knew how to come down with it. And it was, it was always really impressive. 
Remember the, um, the early career comparisons of Parnell to Zach Sanchez? Like, yeah, he's going to get beat some, but this guy makes plays. But it turns out, like, he makes a garbage time pick and also yeah. just continuously gets toasted. And not even because, like, like we've talked about Zach Sanchez, he got toasted a lot because, you know, he was jumping routes, he was doing everything, trying to do what he does best and just occasionally would lose yep. the battle. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, would, would definitely take I, that on this defense. Oh yeah, for sure. And Parnell Motley, don't compare him to Jordan <laughs> Thomas. Like it's not the same thing. Like I think Jordan Thomas was kind of unlucky sometimes, but like that dude was a total head case, man. Like mm-hmm. that dude actually, that guy fully. I think people were jumping the gun a little bit, and I think it's entirely possible that Parnell Motley is heading that way, but he is not there yet. <laughs> is what I'll say about. Uh, part of Motley. Maybe by next year he's a senior. Maybe a senior year he'll look just like Jordan Thomas did last year. <laughs> in which case, then sure, go ahead. But I don't like that c- comparison yet. Is what is what I yeah. would say. Um, all right, let's get through this because I just realized the Thunder are about to start, and I kind of yeah. like to watch it so we can jet through. Last thing I want to say about the defense is I think there's some reason for optimism. And there are there are four guys that I think the next defensive coordinator is going to be really happy to be in charge of. And let's start. We've already mentioned him, Jalen Redmond. Like that guy's. I think that guy's going to start next year. Um, I think that is. I don't care what defense we're in. I think he's a starting caliber player by next season. Um, I love him. He's awesome. I think Ronnie Perkins same way. Uh, I think, you know, you put him in a, it's going to be a second full season. Usually freshman defensive linemen aren't as ready to play as he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like his upside. There's there, there were, I think on that two point conversion, he was stayed home um, and forced the receiver to throw that terrible pass. that got picked. So yeah. That's and I can't believe, I can't believe we've gone this entire podcast without talking about Robert Barnes for the most part. Well, see, I was about to get there. I know. Uh, so I think, uh, Robert Barnes is really showing me a lot. Um, yeah. You get, you guys all deserve credit. You, Nathan, Ryan, all giving him the shout out. I think Ryan and Nathan both had them, both had him as their like X factor going into this game. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah, I was worried about what we were going to see from him because I, I like his physical presence, but this was the kind of game that I, that worried me. Right. And he passed the test. Like he, yeah, he got called again for a bogus pass interference play down the middle of the field. That again, if it doesn't get called, that probably stalls one of their drives. You know, so um, I don't know. Like I, I thought, and he's obviously the greatest two point conversion defender of all time. Um, we can't discredit him there. Um, I thought he looked great running down the field. Like I mean, just from a, I thought he had some pretty good long speed. Um, running back that, that two point conversion, and also hilarious, like to see how effortless it looked for Trey Brown to run beside him. Like he ran along the well, yeah, just the straight running of Trey Brown, like how he started a good uh, five yards behind him in the end zone, ends up catching up to him. And I mean, some of it's probably Robert Barnes slowing down to get some blocking in front of him, but Trey, like you said, effortlessly running ahead of them, and then just like 
so awesome how he like while running tells Robert Barnes like, "Hey, get behind me! Like I'm gonna pancake this guy." Yeah, and he did a great job. Yeah, a great job with it. And like he's the fourth guy. Like he's gonna be a guy that, um, I think he's a I think he's gonna be a reliable corner. I really like what I'm seeing from him. We need to stop rotating him. Like rotate Motley and Norwood. I don't care, mm-hmm. but. St- Keep Trey Brown on the freaking football field, Kerry Cooks. Like, just freaking do it, man. Like, when um, when will they figure out it's okay in college football to have a slightly undersized corner? Like, it works. Yeah. And, like, that guy, that dude made so many open field tackles early in the game mm-hmm. that, that really saved big plays. And then I remember there was one, uh, one of those red zone trips um, I saw somebody tweeting it. I think it was Alan Kenny, which I really like him uh, as an analyst. But like, he tweeted like, "If Tech throws a fade to Vasher right here, it's a touchdown." And they did. They threw a fade to Vasher, and Trey Brown just knocked it away. You know, mm-hmm. like TJ Vasher is eight inches taller than Trey Brown, and it didn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. we don't. Our corners don't make those kind of plays. Like, the, Trey Brown's got to be on the field, man. He has to be on the field. Um, and I guess, I mean, you got to throw Buki in that category. I think Buki's got a bright feature. So, um, maybe we have five guys that, uh, the next defensive coordinator is going to be super thrilled to work with. So, yeah, um, that's really all I have for this game. Um, we're lucky to get out with a win. We played terribly, um, honestly, but we still beat a decent football team. Um, we'll never know what would have happened if Alan Bowman didn't go out at halftime. Maybe we lose, but you know what? He did go out. So I <laughs> In one of uh, the many different timelines, we might have lost this game because Alan right. Bowman didn't die. That's right. Um, all right, let's quickly go through some other games. Texas-West Virginia was probably the game of the weekend from just like an excitement standpoint. Um and as so, as own, someone that bet on West Virginia, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, that was a great game. Like shout, like good for Dana Holgerson calling that at the end. Um, a couple complaints: the officiating was horrendous in this game. The fact that it's a unsportsmanlike penalty to do the horns down is the that, dumbest oh thing. Oh my ever god! Seen. Like it just makes no sense, and it also plays into the like. There's there is one conspiracy theory regarding officiating in this conference, and it's that they pander to Texas and you know they give Texas favorable calls, and like you're just playing right into that when you make that a penalty because there's not another team in this conference that has a hand gesture that you can turn upside down. Right. So it makes it look like you're just outwardly protecting Texas from something, and I mm-hmm. think it sucks and it's ridiculous. Um, also Sam Ellinger, he's not happy about it. Please cry more. Okay. <laughs> like, good Lord. What the disrespect? Yeah. Like, oh my God, he is the worst man. Like that guy. I'm so mad that we lost to this Texas team. I'm mm-hmm. so freaking mad that we lost to them. Like 2015, we shouldn't have lost to them, and it was just one of those things. But like, we played so well after it that I was just like, eh, we probably needed it to turn around our season. This one, I don't care. I don't care what happens from here on out. I'm pissed that we lost that game mm-hmm. because I despise Sam Ellinger. Tom Herman is the biggest baby in college football. 
Dude, him, him complaining yeah, after the game. Yeah, and we all saw him imitating Drew Locke's celebration in their bowl game last year. Yeah, him and like LG what? Were doing that? Oh back my god! Each other. I'm like, that is like so much more outwardly disrespectful. Yeah. Than anything they were doing, and he's complaining. And he's talking about how last time I checked, if you taunt before you get to the goal line. It takes a score off the board, but I guess I'll have to check my rule book on that. And I'm just like, dude, how many touchdowns would your team have taken off the board this year if they fully enforced that rule? Mm-hmm. Like, don't that is the craziest thing ever. Um, yeah, Tom Herman is my least favorite person in college football. Like, not a doubt in my mind. Like, he just is in, just an incredible person. lack of self awareness. Yeah, like. He is the absolute worst. And the fact that we lost to him just irritates me beyond anything. Because Texas is bad. Like, they're a bad <laughs> football team. In, like, in your best Stephen A. Smith impression, Texas, seven-second pause, is bad. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, they should – honestly, they should have lost to Baylor – they should. They did lose to Oklahoma State. They did lose to West Virginia at home. They might lose to Tech this week. They're they're bad, man. Like it. It's inexcusable that we lost that game to them. Like it just yeah. really, really sucks that we lost to them because they're not on our planet as a football team. Like they're not even close. Mm-hmm. They're not good. Nothing you could say can convince me otherwise. They're a trash football team. Tom Herman's a trash human being, a trash coach, and I hate them. Yeah, it's um, – I can't um, – I found those tweets last week that you all were talking about from Ian Boyd talking about you know how Kyler Murray essentially is bad and should focus on baseball. And this was in the spring before he had even started a game. So I have no clue where this is coming from other than the spring game where it was – We've you've talked about all the circumstances of that game, but also in this thread, like not even just talking about Kyler Murray, you know, some people started talking bad about Texas to him. So he comes back and says that Ellinger has always been better than Kyler Murray, just not the same kind of athlete. Which is just insane. Yeah. And he credits he as evidence of that fact, he credits the fact that Sam Ellinger broke Allen's win streak in high school. Not against Kyler Murray. Right, exactly. Like, what does that, what does that matter at all? It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, no. I- irritating. Just irritating beyond belief. Um, that football program is the worst. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go to another football program that I wouldn't call them the worst. I just think they're like hilarious ah, i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait on on the pokes a little bit wait i wanted to i wanted to say the last one last thing did the video of ellinger where he like the shocked face that you yeah. were talking about was that after the fourth down where he got the fourth down but they ruled him down before it because yes. his helmet came off that yes, was incredible that was. i loved that I was. that was my favorite play of the game that was beautiful yeah because not only was his helmet off like he was down before he got the yeah. first down. Like, yeah. Um, but that, that was awesome. And that was absolutely, that was the face I made after Kyler did those picks, like, <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to another game that was going on at the same time as the OU Tech game. 
So I watched very, very little of it. Um, and that's Bama. Um, they destroyed LSU. Yeah, I wasn't remotely surprised. Like, if you watch college football, you probably knew how this game was going to go. Because LSU, every year, same situation. They're like, this is the year. We really want to win this year. We're going to be extra aggressive. And they just, they don't have, I think they have the athletes to kind of compete with uh, Alabama on defense. Mm -hmm. But they don't have the quarterback play. They don't have the skill position talent. They don't have the offensive line talent. Like, they just weren't ever going to be able to score the ball in this game yeah i mean we i i think i had talked on this podcast before about how the regression was coming for joe burrow and that he's not good i mean 51 percent completion percentage like you can't really expect much more against bama but like you just looking at the guy you knew he was not the type that was going to carve up alabama no like that dude has a noodle arm man like that dude, yeah. no arm strength he's not very like he's looked mobile at times like he's run like weirdly well at times but he's not super mobile like yeah there was never a scenario in which lsu was going to score more than six points in this game yeah i i I also didn't get to watch much of this we would occasionally flip to it because me and some of the people i was watching with had bet on it um he our friend carter had bet on lsu and saying talking to him before the game i was like one of my principles is to not bet against Bama, so I think that's dumb off the bat. And two, like, and we'll get to this, my belief on the Penn State-Michigan game also is, like, how are they going to move the ball? Like, you cannot win the game if you cannot move the ball. Yeah. No, you can't. And you can't sure enough, like, close. Nick, how does, like, I didn't watch the game, much of it. How did Nick Brosette have seven carries for five yards? Dude, I, Alabama's that. That's like, unreal. Think- like that's a we good kinda, running back. We we got we kind of saw that like uh, Alabama is just as dominant defensively. They just haven't had to be at all this year, so it hasn't right. looked as perfect this year. Um, especially up front, like they might have some issues in the secondary, but especially up front, they like they're phenomenal up there. Right. Quinnen Williams is a freak. It's yeah, Quinnen Williams is amazing. He was on the Pro Football Focus. Team of the week on the D line. Yeah, there was yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, he's just um, unreal. Yeah, total freak. Um, and then I'm just honestly, I'm just glad Tua threw a pick. Yeah, I, that's I was, I was gonna was say. Really, shout out to. Go ahead. Well, I was just I was kind of worried that it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> you know? I was like, if he doesn't throw a pick this week, he might not do it. So yeah, um, I'm just glad he threw a pick. Shout out to LSU for getting. Enough done to where Kyler jumped uh, Tua in the passing efficiency race. Yeah. No, LSU secondary is the best in the country. They are legit. Like, like I, I do have, not like LSU as a team. Guys back there. Yeah. Right. I do not like them as a team at all. But, like, Greedy Williams, like, there's a reason he has the chance to be, like, I mean, maybe the number two pick. I think he, I think they probably had the best corner and safety in the country. Because Grant Delpit's and, a freak, too. And so. Devin White's got to be up there as far as linebackers go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, they're they're a great defensive football team. It's why they were able to get up to number three, because their offense is actual trash. Right. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, like, I didn't learn anything from that game. Like, I don't think any less of LSU than I did before. No. Um, 
I might actually even think more of their defense now. I don't know. Like it just that's fair. If you to only give up twenty nine points in a game that your offense can't move the ball at all, right? Against an offense that's that good, like I mean, I I don't. I think that's kind of impressive, honestly. There's there's something to say they gave up. I mean, a lot of it has to do with their offense not staying on the field. But LSU gave up 576 yards and only ended up with that 29 points. Like that's that's pretty impressive to have to deal with that many yards and not just get absolutely demolished by Bama. Yeah, no, it is, man. I I'm impressed. Like they just they don't have the they don't have the system offensively to do anything, and they they don't have the personnel at quarterback especially to be able to move the ball at all against Alabama. Right. So me me personally with my team, not worried if we had to see LSU in a bowl game, but like if I were any other team, I would not want to play against them right. in a, in the postseason. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um and hell like they would make it tough for our yeah. offense, man. Like it would not be an easy game at all. Like it'd probably yeah. take us a little bit. Um, to really break through. Um, all right, let's go to Michigan because also great defensively. <laughs> yeah, um, I have. Hey. I ha- I sent you some receipts uh, in my fantasy football league. We have a group text, and I sent you the screenshots of the receipts of me getting called out by people saying, I, I think one guy said that Penn State plus fourteen and a half or whatever was the lock of the week, and all I said was, just tell me how is Penn State going to move the ball. Yeah. No, they can't run the ball. Trace McSorley's not himself right now. Their receivers aren't great. Like there's they just had no shot. Like when Michigan scored, that was it. You right. Know? It exactly. Like, like they uh Penn State, like they scored seventeen on Michigan State. They only scored twenty six on Ohio State, who is a terrible defense, and that was like with the help of some turnovers to get to that twenty six. Yeah. Like they I think they only had one like real offense, maybe two real offensive touchdowns against Iowa last week. Who's, I mean, also good defense, but like they had a pick six and another pick that set them up like inside the five to get them to 30 points. Like it was not a good offense going into this and like plays had to break their way to get any points on the board. And I think it was a pick six that they scored. Yeah. Or no, no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a, it was a garbage time touchdown drive right at the end after they were down right, right. 42. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah Trace McSorley was terrible in this game. He missed so yeah, many man. throws. My, um, my biggest regret on the year is, you know, that very first preseason pod, how I, I started out picking Michigan as my playoff team. And then I pivoted to Penn state because I had taken it. I had bet some Trace McSorley, like a little bit on the Heisman, a little bit on his like, Overs in passing yards and touchdowns, and man, yeah, that is you, just you, you missed that one. I mean, he doesn't. I should have known not having, you know, I thought not having Saquon anymore, not having Jay Sean Hamilton, like he would be forced to step his game up, and it has just like magnified yeah. that he is just not that great. Yeah, he's he's not he's not Baker Mayfield, that's for sure. Yeah, because. Yeah, that's pretty much how Baker won the Heisman last year. Was he lost those guys, so he just had to step his game up, and he right. did. Um, yeah, and that that, that was what went into my Baker. yeah. And they they lost their offensive coordinator to Mississippi State, who probably has a lot of credit for how good they were with Saquon. But yeah, that was oof. 
yeah. No. They don't. They do not look great. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, all right, last game that I want to talk about because I really do want to watch the Thunder. They're actually playing pretty well right now. Um, OSU versus Baylor. Um, my God, how did OSU lose this game? Did you watch uh, this? I watched the end of it, and I watched bits and pieces of it, and I'm I'm with you. I'm clueless as to what happened to the Cowboys. Yeah, first of all, if Charlie Brewer had played the whole game, they would have lost by like 30. Yeah, that was, uh, did, he, did he get hurt? What happened to him? Well, he was coming off. He had been in concussion protocol, right. so they were, I guess, being careful with him. But I guess at just a certain point, they were like, right, let's just try it. And yeah. he played really, really well and lit him up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if he had played the whole game, it would not have been a close game at the end because they were just completely dominant when he got out there. So, um, but just a monumental meltdown. Like, did you see the the fourth down where OSU had the ball? Um, I think it was around the 30-something yard line. Did you, did you see that? Uh, I, no, I wasn't watching it because I thought I was right before then. I was... I think during that drive was when it got down to about two minutes and OSU's driving. I was like, all right, this one's over. Let's, I think I went and, you know, had a beer and yeah. got ready to eat dinner before we played. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was done. Yeah, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a, I don't, I, I can't think of a worse way for that play to have gone. Cause they called this like play action pass on like a third or fourth and two. And Taylor Cornelius took a sack. Uh-huh. Uh, which just the worst result that you could have in that situation. Really, what they needed to do was putt, so they had an entire field to defend um, right. with just over a minute left in the game. And instead, they gave the ball to Baylor at like the 44-yard line. So that was not um, not ideal for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah also, one, one stat that you don't get to use a whole lot is that OSU's backed up success rate, like their defense, they're very good at that. Like they're, I'm sure, tied with many people, but they're first in the country. Like they have not given up. I don't know how backed up success rate works. Like if it's just, you know, points scored when they're backed up inside their five or 10 or whatever, Mm -hmm. but OSU has not given up any points like when they have, the other team has started backed up towards their own goal line. It's like they're actually very good at that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they should have really just gone with that. I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but like, right. I don't trust Taylor Cornelius to make a play on fourth and two. I just right. don't. Um, so yeah, that was that was rough. From, also, OSU's from defense Andy. is pretty good on passing downs, and when you got ninety plus yards to go with a minute left, they're all passing downs. So, oh yeah, yeah, should have trusted your defense there, Mike. Don't uh, yep. don't know what you're thinking. Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and call it there. Um, we will be back maybe Wednesday or Thursday with a Bedlam preview. Um, hopefully Ryan can get back on with us after. Hopefully he wins his uh, his campaign wins the election. So that would be great. Um, again, if you live in whatever district of Oregon, vote for his guy that we don't know the name. <laughs> of. Um, and also just you know vote tomorrow. It's fine. Um, so I'm going to try this. Um, I have not practiced the outro at all. Like, uh, I mean, it's probably gonna be just as bad as it was I thought. I thought after last time you had been like, 
looking yourself in the mirror, like recording yourself, taking notes, what you've been doing. I thought you would have tried to step your game up for this one. Yeah, no, that uh, certainly <laughs> did not happen. Uh, Alex Purdy and extra work, not a. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna do extra work on this. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. I know that we didn't uh, talk about a defensive coordinator, but it's just not gonna happen this week, uh, or it, it, it'll happen on the next podcast. Don't worry about it. Um, great start here. Um, follow us on Twitter at Alex P Purdy at R W Maxi at not that Sam Davis um, hit us up with any questions you want us to talk about on the podcast. Pay us money and we would be happy to talk about Pay whatever us money. you like. Yes. Yeah. Shoot your talk shot, man. Whatever you like on, on the podcast. I'll, I can post my Venmo if you want. I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. Um, rate us, review us on iTunes, whatever, however you listen to your podcast, do that thing and tell people about it. Okay. That's we're going to go short and simple this week. All right. So thank you for listening to the Oklahoma drill.